Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. This is episode 76 and it's a special episode because we are just over 24 hours until the 2023 NFL Draft kicks off uh, and it's going to be an exciting one I think because there is a lot of mystery surrounding this draft. I know you could say that any year but uh, it, that is especially the case this year. And uh, before we get into talking all about what the Bucks might do at 19, if they'll stay at 19, and any other draft-related items that, that we deem worthy of our time here, um, I just want to remind everyone that you should, and it would be appreciated if you would, shoot us a subscription and a like and all that jazz on YouTube. You can catch the podcast, the Bucks Banner podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And please make sure you are checking out BucksGameDay.com, the only Sports Illustrated website dedicated specifically to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all year round. I am Colin Hallboom, and I guess I'm a little biased because I am the draft analyst over at BucksGameDay.com. And because of that, I have been very busy this past <laughs> week. I've probably written about 10,000 words in the last week, and uh, but it's great, and I freaking love it. So I'm, I'm ready to get going. I am joined by my trusty, loyal, supportive co-hosts, Scott Capron and Bo Danyard. Boys, how we doing? You ready to talk some Buccaneers, some NFL drafts, and whatever yes. else we're thinking? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Can't can't wait for the draft tomorrow. Can't wait to see what the Bucks do. And uh tons of options. So yeah, I mean they could they could go defense, they could go offense, they could make a trade. I I I, I truly can't wait to see what they do. So yeah, let's get into it, boys. Yeah, a lot of people are really at least the people in Tampa are operating under the heavy assumption that it's kind of like a no-brainer that the Bucks are going to take an offensive tackle. Uh, but I think Jason Light often likes tackles, you know, later in the draft or offensive linemen later in the draft. And if he thinks there's better value there and he likes an edge rusher or a certain position, I don't think he's going to be afraid to just go with the player that he believes offers the best value. Um, so that's just kind of an interesting thing to keep in mind because everyone – Everyone and their 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 sister's cousin is uh, I guess I'd be your cousin, but are uh, are pick, picking an O lineman to the Bucks, including myself. I just submitted my final mock draft and I picked an O lineman too. So listen to this hypocrite run his mouth, huh? I don't. I mean, we can call you a hypocrite for some other stuff, but I I don't I don't think we need to do it here. Um, right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But hey, if that's what they're likely to do, that's what you think they're gonna do. It's a need. That's fine right? Like, let's, let's see it. Yeah. It's the biggest need. And yeah. maybe, maybe we'll start there then in terms of just talking about, like, I got a list in front of me of about 10 players who I think one of these players will be the Buccaneers first pick, assuming they stick in the first round um, tomorrow night. And I feel pretty good about that. So I recognize there's still 10 guys, but you know, they're at 19. So yeah, And again, like I said, it's a very wide open draft. So let's talk about the tackles. Um, the guys who I think could be there would be Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, Broderick Jones from Georgia, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. And that's really it. I think between those three guys, I okay. think, uh, are the guys who, who could potentially be in that range. Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones are, are have been mocked most heavily um, in that, that top 20. Like, sorry, I would should say top 18 prior to the Buccaneers pick. But when I keep running through these simulations of my own throughout the process of constructing my, my own mock draft, I've stuck with Broderick Jones. So I've found him to still be there at 19, just based on how I see some of the stuff before, before that playing out. But who knows, right? It's a shot in the dark. You never know, of course. Um, which I think would be an unbelievable get for the Bucs if they do end up with Broderick Jones on the board. Most people... Uh, who are plugged in with the Bucks are really kind of settling in on Anton Harrison as the favorite for the Buccaneers. That's the betting favorite right now, right? He's a, he's a 21 year old. He's the youngest of the tackles from Oklahoma, former basketball player, super like quick on his feet, extremely agile. Um, and he still has room like the frame that can put on bulk. So the sky's the ceiling with Anton Harrison. He's one of those like high upside guys, but he's also got a good bit of experience. Um, he, you know, he plays in that air raid, Scheme. He's super good at at getting out, like pulling and like getting out in in run block and getting downfield. So that that's where his agility comes in handy. Mm. I find when I watch Anton Harrison, um, 
he just he's young though like i just said he, he, it seems like he's very defensive and i know that sounds silly because that's kind of like his job because the other guy's got a head start running at him but if you watch a guy like darnell Wright from tennessee like he is delivering the blows like okay. his hands his hands are just so heavy um whereas someone like anton harrison he, he's amazing at recovering and he's still really solid but i'd like to see a little more thump out of him you know delivering those blows but i think that's something that can come with time like I don't know. That's easy for me to say. He's still a hell of a prospect and would be would be a fine pick at 19. But I'd like Broderick Jones better. And I think Broderick Jones probably has the highest ceiling of any of these. Well, Darnell Wright's got a pretty damn high ceiling too, actually. He's kind of more of that Trent Williams mold. So, okay. So, with all that said, so you're not – you're not pissed at any of those picks, basically, if it comes down to them, right? Like, there's there's degrees to it and everything, but – None of them you would be like throwing your hands in the air, right? No, not if it's one of these okay. these guys. I mean, okay. Um, Anton Harrison, I'd be probably a little less excited about than a Broderick Jones or a Darnell Wright. Um, because cause, I mean, he's he's lower rated on my board, like he is most people's boards. But I trust I trust Jason Light, like I've said time and time again, in terms of identifying talent on the offensive line. And if that's his guy and he takes his guy with conviction at 19, then then I'm good with it. And he Anton Harrison's been talked about a lot in the national media as a guy who's like people who aren't aware of him. He's not on their radar. They're, he's like, oh, look out for him. He's higher on NFL boards than, than people realize. Um, but Bucks fans have been aware of that for a while because he because they, they're in such dire need for a tackle. And there's a good chance that uh, that the top top three tackles are off the board by the time yeah. um, the Bucks are on the clock. So. When you're looking at these three guys, are you looking like I know there's been a bunch of discussion or I I guess it's just a few articles that are out there saying and tweets about uh, uh, Tristan Wirfs maybe switching to the left side of the ball. Um, Can all three of these guys play either side? Is that a decision that will be kind of made on draft night or what do you see from that perspective, Colin? Fantastic question and a very important one. Um, So... Broderick Jones, if you draft Broderick Jones, he's playing left tackle. You're keeping Tristan Wirfs at the right, which is, I think, the ideal situation. Let me be clear. That's yeah. my stance. That is an advantageous thing. Yes. Do I think Tristan Wirfs can slide over to the left and be a pro bowl caliber left tackle? Hell yeah, I do. Do I think he's like all pro, like best in the league, depending on what Lane, jo- Lane Johnson looks like this year on the right side and very comfortable there? Yes, yeah. that is a yeah. fact. Why we, Why would you mess with something if you don't have to? Yeah. So I would 100% prefer to keep Tristan Wirfs on the right side. Broderick Jones uh, would come and play left tackle. Anton Harrison, he does have some experience playing left or right side, which is nice because it gives you that flexibility. But if they draft him, I would assume he would also be inheriting the left side. It's where he played last year. Same with Broderick Jones. Darnell Wright, who's, who's my favorite of these guys. Like, I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. He is my favorite of these yeah. guys. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, he played left tackle. In his third year, and then last year, he switched over to right tackle, hmm. all right, at, for the volunteers, and yeah. he was damn near flawless at right tackle. Like, he just looked so good. So everyone's kind of assuming because of that, well, the tape speaks for what it is. Clearly, he is just better on the right side. Um, however, there's been reports that he would prefer to play on the left. I mean, a lot of guys would based on how those contracts have been. How the money, yeah. Um. But ultimately, I think what you got there is some flexibility as well. But it, so in terms of that would that would be if if Darnell Wright was to slip, that would very much be an in-house decision. Like, did they see Darnell Wright as a right tackle? And then okay, we've already kind of toyed with the idea of Tristan moving over. We know he's good with it. We believe he can do it. We're gonna go go that route. Um, yeah. So Darnell Wright, a pick for Darnell Wright for Bucks fans means okay. The line might look a little bit different next year, basically. Like Tristan Wirfs, our anchor, might be somewhere playing a different position. But with those right. other two guys, they're staying in the left tackle. Okay. That's that's right. If the Buccaneers um, see him as a, as better off as a right tackle, which, I mean, he looked way better as a right tackle in college. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are even like like I, I heard who was it who said this? Gre- Greg Cosell, one of the best draft minds in the business, was on a podcast with Dane Brugler. And uh, and Fran Duffy, and they were talking about the, debating that number two pick for the Texans if they're really going to pass on C.J. Stroud, right? Are they going to go Tyree Wilson or are they going to go Will Anderson? And that's so um, fucked. It is wild. And then uh, 
Greg Cosell was like, does it not at all formulate into your equation? Like, in ter- I guess ultimately in support of Tyree Wilson or not necessarily, but that's what he brought up that Darnell Wright made him look like a little baby. Like <laughs> he couldn't budge him in any capacity. Like where's the uh, nuance to his skill set? Where's his refinement where he can beat you in different ways? Or is he just kind of, you know, and it was a valid point. And then uh, Dane Brugler very respectfully responded with, I think that's more of a, more of a compliment to Darnell Wright than it is a reason to, to pick mm-hmm. holes at, at Will Anderson. So I thought that right. was interesting. Right. Right. That is, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you do all this analysis and it's like, Oh no, these guys actually played against each other. Right. That are at the top of the board. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously depending on the position and everything, but no, you can, those are real data points and you can, and you can point to them. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. It's in tackle also, by the way, like the whole, just the difference, like the difference between left and right tackle is so fucked. Like, okay, left tackles are valued way more. Tristan Wirfs is the is the best right tackle in the league, but he's so good at it. Then you might move him to left and like have him play a different position yeah. than what he's played and what he was drafted at. Like they're the same position, but they're absolutely not also in the same breath. It's just it's just uh, yeah, just the way the way football works. Obviously, it's just um, yeah. Kind of yeah, and shout out to Luke Easterling, formerly of uh, Bucks Wire. I forget the network he switched over to now, and and Draft Wire, which is a USA Today uh, subsidiary. But he had an, he had a sit down interview, I believe, with Darnell Wright. I just saw this like shortly before we came on, and he just he quoted Darnell Wright talking about that exact thing, and saying they were asking him about it, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm right handed, so when I'm on the right side." You got a guy, they're, they're always trying to take the outside leverage. That's where yeah, those guys yeah. attack. So I got my right hand there. Like, you know, yep. when they're asking why you make sense. He's like, yeah. if I'm on the other side, I got my left hand there. It's my weak yeah. hand. He's like, yeah. you know, so uh, it's pretty simple in that sense. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it just like, that is, you know, like yeah. I'd rather arm wrestle with my right arm than my left. I've seen it. I mean, you're yeah. pretty good with both to be fair, but yeah, <laughs> with the, the righty, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other two linemen I get, like Paris Johnson is going to be long gone. Apparently he's oh, now, yeah. the, he's now the betting favorite to go third to the Cardinals, which I is, saw that, which is interesting. And I was toying with that idea myself. Cause I, you know, there's Kyler reports. They have so many holes to fill in Arizona. There, while they there's, have such their a, there's such a great team to have at number three, just in the mix right now, just like where that actually falls because there's the four quarterbacks and they don't technically need one. They kind of need everything else, even though Kyler's totally like it's a psycho and every, right. So like a true anything can happen situation there. And just like this, like uh, like him shooting up the boards up to number three in the last couple days, really, right, Carl? Like it's been yeah, pretty yeah. recent. So very, very I I that's my favorite part of the whole thing when we don't know and it's a true anything can happen situation and not like. Okay, yeah, it's fun when teams make terrible picks or like terrible trades and stuff. But no, we just don't know because there's so much that that they need and that that they could address or or try to move down or whatever. So yeah, I, I can't wait for the uh, to see what the Cardinals end up doing at three or if they just they just try to stockpile picks and get some big offers uh, for that spot. But anyway, sorry, tangent there. No, no, it's a good tangent. And so the like the the top two linemen before these guys I'm talking about is Paris Johnson Jr. at Ohio State and Peter Skaronsky at a North- Northwestern. So those guys are expected to go in the top ten. Okay. Which is why they haven't really been mentioned. Yeah, Skaronsky to the Bears, right? Uh, a lot of that. I think, Paris, I think Paris Johnson. I think they want a left tackle. Skaronsky is okay. more of a guard. Yeah. Well, most people project him at guard, and I think I think for the Bears at nine, they're their priority will be tackle. And I think most people see it, see Skronsky as a guard. I mean, that he played tackle in college and maybe some yeah. guys see him there. We talked about it last time about the arm length and all that. Um, last episode of the pod, I yeah. have him going to Tennessee in my most recent mock draft. Okay. Um, at, I think 11 after the Eagles, I believe. Is, um, does Skronsky kind of make sense as like a Jason light guy? Cause like, I feel like he can play, a bunch of different positions. He, he might, but it doesn't matter, Bo, unless they make <laughs> unless they trade, right? Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah, I, I was yeah, I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Cause he seems to be based yeah. on his recent moves and, and how they've shuffled the lineup, 
with basing yeah. it on versatility like he's like anti-specialist role which like i said last week i don't love that like <laughs> kind of want a specialist you know what i mean oh we got one specialist that's tristan Wirfs, uh, right tackle let's move him now fuck yeah um <laughs> obviously i'm i'm being facetious ryan jensen is clearly a center as well um but yeah so you know Broderick Jones, I seem to be the only one who, who has finalized Broderick Jones of the Bucks mock drafters, Bucks media guys. All of them seem to have Anton Harrison. So I kind of, you know, who knows? Like to, but I'm not just like doing that to be different. I do think there's a chance that it unfolds this way. Because um, a lot of those teams in between, um, in between where 10, where I think like Skaronsky is going to go. And then where the Bucks are at 20, so let's say 10 to 20, a lot of those teams could take an offensive lineman, but it's far from a guarantee. Teams like the yeah. Packers, the Commanders. Um, let me pull this document up here so I can. I mean, most it. teams can use a lineman or lineman sure. depth, right? So it's it's pretty safe if it's not boring. And hey, just not to interrupt, but just to kind of interject those. So I see Skaronsi's over under on Bet365 here at 10 and a half. Uh, with mm. with the juice minus one twenty either way, so that that's that's dead on there, um, yeah. depending where to which way you want to lean. But yeah, Tennessee's at ten. You said right, eleven. Philly's at 11. ten. Oh okay. Phil. Oh right, right. Philly at ten. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. So my my computer's working real slow, so I can't even see who's picking where. But uh, I don't know if I said like the Steelers are a team who could arguably need a tackle. I've actually yeah. settled settled on them going DB. Mm. Um, they lost they lost some guys and they need help back there. And it could be a good good spot for them. So like teams like that, you just don't know which way they're gonna go. And that's gonna determine what whether one of these tackles are there or if it's the difference between a Broderick Jones and an Anton Harrison. But mm-hmm. you know, um Scott Reynolds of Pewter Report, he is historically very dialed in uh to the Buccaneers camp and what they end up doing. And he's had Anton Harrison for a minute. So maybe Jason Light just likes Anton Harrison better than Broderick Jones, even if he's on the board. Like the cool thing about the NFL draft is like we have all these like draft experts, prognosticators. They truly, though, have no window into these NFL franchises. And that's what I love about the NFL draft is like they have their completely own resources dedicated to this. They truly yeah. don't give a shit what the public thinks. And that's why. So you'll see a Cole Strange going the first round last year and everyone's like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, that one seemed a little egregious. <laughs> it did, but he, he showed out all right, man. Speaking, I mean, speaking right, of, yeah, um, yeah, oh yeah, we just from we a pick them, value, right? But yeah, we give them too much credit, or maybe we, or like you know, prognosticators give themselves too much credit that they can get into the heads of what these NFL teams do. We we clearly see week to week, we have no idea what they're thinking, bit like game to game from you know uh, decision making, and certainly every draft, what you know, when when you see what they reach for or or what uh, what what certain teams end up picking in the first round, right? Versus what a pretty smart football consensus might not have agreed with. But yeah. hey, they're the ones making they're the ones making the picks, right? So it's it's like it's not only that. I think just for like from a macro level, it's like we don't even know who's in the room, and we don't even know who in the room is actually making the decision. Like, oh, yeah. is, it, is this an owner pick? Is this a coach pick? Is this a coordinator pick? Is it the scouting department? Like, who knows who has like, and every organization has a different hierarchy. So, oh, I know that's we've talked about this. That's my that's like the most frustrating thing on the yeah. planet for me. So, you, you know, when Gruden was with the Raiders, everyone just oh yeah, it's it's Gruden's team. Okay, and they had a GM. So then, what the what the <laughs> fuck happens? Yeah, what does he do yeah. in meetings? What does he do? Like literally. Not like, oh, what's he do? Tell me what happens. When Jerry Jones for Dallas, like, I don't know, wants to take a guy, I want to know exactly what the chain of communication is. Like, does he set, does he fire off an email? Like, yeah, how much tape did Jerry watch? Yeah, does he fax it? (laughs) it? Like, or does he literally just walk into the room and say, no, this guy's available? We're like, that's what I want to know. Anyways, yeah. Dallas. So, yeah, just like look. So we're we're talking about these five offensive tackles, and again, this position, oh, yeah. this p- position should be the focus based on you know Buccaneers' needs and how the draft has a good chance of falling. So we got what I would consider five offensive linemen who are first round worthy. 
um, depending. There could be a couple guards in there, but that wouldn't appeal to the Bucks. So Paris Johnson's going to be gone. Peter Skaronsky is going to be gone probably in the top 10. So you got 10 through to 19, and you got three first-round tackles, Anton Harrison, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, the guys we've been talking about if you're just joining us. Um, the teams in that area who could potentially be drafting an offensive lineman, um, of course, include the Eagles, Titans, Packers, Patriots, Jets, Commanders, Steelers. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, they could all be gone. But if that happens, if those guys are all gone, then I think the Bucks are set up really nicely to take a hell of an edge rusher. And I think that's mm-hmm. just obviously what you do. So when you were asking me if I would be disappointed in any of those guys, and I, I, I said I would not be disappointed in, in Anton Harrison, but he would be the like le- one I would be least excited about of all those old linemen. Um, if that scenario, I just the point is, I think I would rather one of the top tier edge rushers over Anton Harrison. I don't okay. know what I've seen mm. potentially because I, I get because I think one of the ones who would be available then would be a Nolan Smith, a Lucas Van Ness, or a Miles Murphy. Mm. And I think those are pretty exciting prospects. So, yeah, it's and it's also like a zero sum game. Like if there's a run on O lineman, that means there's a bunch of edge prospects exactly fall to you guys, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Anyway, I feel like we've, we've done a fine job summing up the O-lineman situation. I mean, my choice would be Darnell, of the guys who I think will be there, would be Darnell Wright. He would be the, be the one I'd want most. Then Broderick Jones, then Anton Harrison. Um, and then uh, we'll stick on the offensive side of the ball, okay? Because, again, you might as well. And then we'll, we'll move over to the D, guys I think are in play. Okay. Um, the two tight ends, Michael Meyer and Dalton Kincaid. I say two, and that's selling the whole group short because there could be no, two. The, there there could a, be two more that go in the first round potentially. But yes, those are, are I would say the unanimous one-two, yes, whichever way yes. you slice it. And it's flip-flop back and forth, man. People have been higher on Kincaid, and then now it seems pretty clear that, or at least the the betting markets are reflecting that Meyer will be the first tight end taken. Yeah, um, he, he's certainly more of a traditional inline tight end, and he can still catch the ball. He, he's he's in the same mold as Gronk. Kincaid's in the same mold as Kelsey. Okay, mm. like I'm not calling either of them Gronk or Kelsey. I'm saying you heard well, it here first, folks. Yeah, that wouldn't be the first place. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But True. what I'm saying is, if you're if you're gonna pick a type, okay, yeah, Meyer is more that Gronk type inline. Dalton Kincaid is that Kelsey type, like elite receiving threat, um, and that's kind of how you slice those two. So. The Buccaneers, again, I feel like I'm the only one who's considering this also. Uh, the, the Buccaneers, first off, Dave Canales, their new offensive coordinator, comes from the, the Seattle way of doing things, which is heavy 12-man personnel. They love to use their tight ends. Even though, even though the tight ends they've had haven't been anything special, they still often run two of them out there, Disley and Noah Fan or whoever it is, right? Um, we have the Buccaneers have Co-Keefed, and, um, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, I have too many names in my head, folks. Kate Otten, Kate Otten, yeah. Jesus. So those are those first year players last year. I mean, Kate Otten looks nice. Coquif does his job. He's a blocking specialist, but I think they want to add a difference maker of that position. At least I would. And I think in this draft where you have these two elite tight end talents that people might even be willing to pass on just because they know there's like seven deep, like NFL starter caliber yeah. tight ends available. Um, one of those guys could fall into your lap. Could he, One or both of them could easily be there at 19. And maybe I, I think Michael Meyer would be, would be the type that would appeal to Jason Light personally because – I know it's not just up to him, but because he can do a bit of everything. So it's kind of like adding support for your offensive line at the same time and a guy yeah. who's supporting your pass catchers and your quarterback. So there's a chance they take a stab at a tight end. I would not call it a high possibility at all, but it's worth mentioning. And then uh, I feel like every single fan base in the world likes to uh, hypo- or likes to fantasize about the idea of Bijan Robinson ending yeah, up on their I, team. I, I figured we would get there. Yeah. So like, why wouldn't I mention that? I mean, yeah. shit, if, if he's there at 19 and we, okay. If it's we, possible we, though. Yeah, you're, it not is just, possible. you're not just like giving it the token mention. I think it's, it's not very, but I think it's definitely within the realm that they land them. Yeah. So ask me if I'd be mad if at 19 they select Bijan Robinson. Yeah. I know that you would not. No, I wouldn't. I, what what happens the, to uh, Chad? Oh man, what running like what team at other like he's than the Titans? Good. 
No, Did you it's just like, play wide receiver. They would Honestly. both. You, you you'd use them both, man. Like yeah, like I think that would be a pretty lethal pairing, and I think you'd find a way to get them. Rashad White's going to get plenty of touches, but uh, anyway, I think I think you would use them both, and by week six, so it's like uh, Bijan's <laughs> playing eighty percent of the snaps or something like that. That's not a like our Rashad love has been well documented. I just think Bijan is that fucking good, and like that good on all three downs and oh my yeah. god he's it's tough to take him out it's gonna yeah, be really tough for him to he's get on the field just yeah. to get back to the tight end thing uh boom but hey i like both those guys a lot a little bit concerning i think kincaid is already 24 you know utah etc um couple wives under his belt yeah at least, at least. i think it would it just come down to like given the let's say tenuous quarterback situation at best what helps what helps that person most right now right like is it an, is it i don't i'm honestly asking like is it another pass catcher up the middle and a guy who can block like a, like a solid tight end like Meyer for example or is it just getting that getting that you know extra stud on the offensive line and just shoring that up i think it's a fair i think it's kind of a, like a, a reasonable question right sorry scotty you're asking uh, i got distracted by a comment you're asking if it helps whom more the team the or- quarterback Oh, the quarterback, yeah. For the Bucks specifically, like, what do you think is more important for them? Shoring up, getting another starter on the offensive line, or another, you know, potentially very dynamic pass catcher up the middle of the field? I think it's a. I think it's like. I don't think it's an obvious answer. No, I don't think it is either. I think most no. people would say though, stability at that other tackle position and, would be, and, but and that's where I would lean. But yeah. I think as a, I think it'd be exciting to get one of those tight ends, right? So just interesting. Yeah, I I got the hots for both of them. Like yeah. again, if I if we took Meyer and, or Kincaid, I would be super pumped. Like Kincaid, I I think is awesome. he's sick, man. I think he's awesome, and yeah. I think I think he has the potential to be really good with how like teams are seeing how the, what the Chiefs have done having a weapon like Kelsey, and if you got a guy who's a little more sick with it as a receiver, and but he can hold his own as a blocker just based on his size. Like look at all the how creative you can get as an offense. It really takes a, a ceiling off your offense, right? When you have a guy in there who who could be used creatively and, and impact the passing game both vertically and, and otherwise. So, um, yeah. you know, lots. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, like, Scotty, you know what? I'm not, like, fearful like I've been in years yeah. past. Where I'm like, I know. Sometimes please. it's just the worst. Yeah, where you're just so scared there's one guy you really don't like. Like, you yeah. know, we just, we just talked about, what, like seven – well – six different prospects on offense who who we could get behind or at least i could get behind and yeah uh dog's best friend yeah. one of our best friends take robinson and be relevant again for half a season so there you have it there's there's yeah. one example of a Fair buccaneers enough. fan who, who wouldn't be in support of that and like i can't blame that either like they do have rashad white so the thing is though man like it's not always just about team needs right there's there's seven rounds in this draft so yeah you can have there's going to be a lot of flops but if you know you're going to get a sure thing at a position that would be more of a luxury um but you think he's going to be an absolute star and all pro blue chip you got yeah. to consider it you got and to if, a, you're, if you're that confident in that position and, or that player and on a rookie deal for what five years right yeah. and you know i'm obviously not a first round running back guy but like we said i think last week if I mean, if you can get someone controlled for five years and, uh, you know, take him at the 19th pick and he's a top five producing runner in the league, that's that's different, right? That is it's you know, it's so different for running backs because those are usually their five best years, too. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I uh, hated the Zeke pick in Dallas. You went what number? Did he go four or five? I think four, it was four. Four. Um, but he was awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was awesome. Right, yeah. and he was productive. It wasn't still first wasn't five good, years. Yeah, wasn't a good pick at four, but you know, at that price, it was that was worth it. Now, uh, sorry, I'm just gonna get to this other comment here on YouTube um, from again, Dog's best friend. Appreciate you jumping in the comments, my dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says Kincaid in the first or Laporta in the second. So he's not opposed to a tight end. Laporta, Sam Laporta is really interesting. Yeah. He's um, rising. I've yeah. seen him in the first quite a bit, actually. <laughs> See, I don't know if he sneaks in the first, but there was a time when you people thought they could get him in the third or the fourth. And yeah. I would say I would say he's probably going in the second for sure. Um, 
he, he he's nasty after the catch, man. He can do a whole bunch of good. And when you come out of Iowa, like you're just ready to play that position better than every every other exactly school or prospect of any other school, right? So that's the other thing, though that 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 refreshes my mind. That's the thing with the tight end, though, man. Like you could wait and and get a good one in that second round. There'll be a bunch of that's, guys waiting there. It's that's where I, that's where the determine that's the determination that these teams need to make with the tight ends is it is deep. Sorry, it is deep, and those two guys are the cream of the crop, Meyer and Kincaid, but are they that much better than third or fourth, right? It's almost like a fantasy yeah. draft those years when it was Gronk or Kelsey, and do you even want to get anyone until the last round kind of thing, like in fantasy? This is like you need to determine, okay, yeah, those two, we have them we have them, uh, you know, graded the highest, but are they 5% better than someone we can get, let's say, 40 picks later? Interesting. I'll, you know, not too often is one of my main – takeaways or things that i'm looking for is kind of the tight end dispersion uh going into a draft but i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens this year because i think there's enough guys that can that can justify good like pretty high picks and really make an impact next year so and scotty let me let me uh tickle your fancy here and just Mm. continue that that conversation a little bit uh one guy who is just every every bucks fan or media member i see who, who does a mock draft for the bucks you want to know who they're always sliding in there um, is Luke Schoonmaker. Oh, yeah. The from Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like on day three as like, mm-hmm. you know, that like it just seems like one of those common fallback guys like a Sydney Brown from Illinois who I freaking love, by the way. Yeah. Ontario. But that's what I mean. Like I Schoonmaker isn't uh, he isn't Gronk. He isn't Kelsey. Of course, he's he's fucking good, though. Yeah. Like he's a good football player, has great hands and is a red zone threat and you know i that's that's i guess that's just kind of uh really just depends on the front office and and what they think right so so if we're good then i i think that's plenty to talk about on the offensive side of the ball let's let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball because i already painted out a scenario well there's many scenarios where a lot of those alignment could get scooped up by those whole bunch of teams I named between 10 and 20, who for all we know are all targeting offensive tackles, in which case it would be inevitable that some edge rushers would fall, which is perceived to be, by myself included, the uh, the biggest need for the Buccaneers um, outside of, you know, offensive tackle. And there's some good ones who could potentially be available. Now, there's a big, it's a big uh, spectrum for Nolan Smith and Lucas Van Ness. Those are the two guys I would group together in terms of like their value is, I mean, shit, Nolan Smith. I got him going eight to the Falcons. Like that's uh, probably, yeah. that's probably his peak. And I've seen him slipping all the way towards the end of the first. He truly has, he's going in the first, but a lot like people don't fully know where. Yeah. This guy ran a sub four, four forty as a defensive end. Like, are you fucked? Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> Like that is utterly ridiculous. That is, it's it's <laughs> fucked though. That's like it's insane. What? What? Unreal. Ooh. So and he's got you know we've talked about the traits of these guys before and again if 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 you want to familiarize yourself better, um, check out my Twitter where I link most of my articles that I write and I got some deeper dives on each of these players we're talking about. I wouldn't call them deep dives, but I've but I go into a little more detail about the specific traits of each prospect at least. Um, here we're more scenario discussion format kind of thing um and then so nolan smith could go any which way if he's there that's super appealing to me because i love him one of my favorite players in the draft like he's more than just speed uh you know great leader very versatile and i think todd bowles could get really creative finding ways to use him whether he stands him up i mean shit he drops via in coverage so you know you do that with nolan smith Mm. um just the different ways he could utilize him to generate pressure and different looks on his defense uh, and then, shit, I forget where I was going with that. But so I, I, I would be fully in favor of Nolan Smith. I would love that. Oh, here we are. But the thing is, he's a speed rusher. And Shaq Barrett is a speed rusher. So Nolan Smith is a little undersized. Shaq Barrett's a little undersized. Both speed guys. Tryon Choyanka is like had to put on weight. Like, you know, yeah. he's he's he looks like a superhero, but I believe he's like a naturally skinny ish dude who's just like, right committed and gotten the the gym you know what i mean like he's more of like an athlete like speed guy too i think you could classify i know it, yeah i know i know what you're saying yeah. you know what i'm saying so like yeah. you you want to come you want to have a bit of a combination you want to be able to attack a, a team's offensive 
edges in different ways. And if you just got a bunch of speed guys, it feels a tad redundant. So that would be my my one reason why I could see Jason Light potentially passing on a Nolan Smith for someone like a Lucas Van Ness mm. out of Iowa. Um, for what it's worth, I've sent uh, Shaq Barrett's nutritionist like my bulk, my bulking plan. I haven't heard back uh, just to see like if they've implemented it themselves or, or anything like that. I mean, I assume they got it. Obviously I, I sent them, I sent them before and after picks. Um, but yeah, no, I think that those are actually very good points. And, um, and yeah, I, I got nothing. I just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> Sorry, boys. I'm, I'm, it's been a while. It's been a day. Fuck. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> in terms of, in, ter- in terms of Lucas Van Ness, you know, he could go real high. I have him going, um, in this mock draft that'll probably go come out tonight or tomorrow, I got him going at uh, to the Patriots because yeah. I had the Patriots kind of like a Pats guy. He's yeah. Patriotsy. You know, the more I was thinking, I put a lot of thought into each team. It's kind of pathetic how much like I'm gonna get them all wrong, like most people will this year. But like the amount of thought and effort I put into each team is kind of pathetic. So I'm sitting there just like, what are they gonna do? You know, and what'll happen before? And like I, I believe. At first, I'm like thinking like the Patriots, if Jackson Smith and Jigba's there, they're going to take them. Like they have to. Not like it's a foregone conclusion, but I'm just thinking. And then I have him going before then anyway, in which case like, but the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like the, the Pats don't build. That's not the Patriot way. The Patriots don't. They, they the only place they, they invest is the defensive side of the football. And then they scrap together everything else on on the offensive side right so yeah it's painful to be honest yeah and lucas van ness is just like a versatile dude who's like highly productive in limited snaps so he's got um he's got fresh legs he's got all the physical traits he's like naturally very powerful early on in the process i'm like this guy didn't even start at iowa like why are we talking about him as a potential top 15 pick and then the more i dug into him and the more i watched i was like shit man like it Kirk Ferentz was just a little bit stubborn, right? No, it's, they just they just that's start Iowa. The seniors there. Yeah, yeah that's what they Iowa. do. It's like this weird thing. Also, what does that even mean, by the way? Yeah. Does that do they actually have to put in a starting lineup? Like, what if Van Ness is like, oh no, we have a package where Van Ness is on the field the first play? You know, right? Like, yeah. it's such, yeah. football yeah. start starting in football is so weird. <laughs> I don't anyway, but yeah, yeah, that yeah, I know. It should just be like snap leader. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Van, Van, so Van Ness, Bo, you said it, he just seems like a Patriots guy. Like you could line him up inside. He could do work there. You could line him up off the edge. His best days are definitely ahead of him. Um, highly productive in terms of tackle for loss and sacks. And yeah, that's kind of, kind of what that is. Um, well, as painful he, as their offense is to watch, their defense was incredible. Like really, oh, really good. Yeah. I described it as a juggernaut in, in yeah. The right up their defense was amazing. I yeah, got another absolutely. Iowa, I got another Iowa defender going in the first round of, of, of my final mock as well. Um, but I'll leave that for your imaginations. <laughs> Miles Murphy's the other guy who is even more of that heavier mold out of Clemson, you know, who who I think would definitely be appealing to the Buccaneers. This guy, this guy was talked about with you know Will Anderson and Bryce yeah. Young and all those guys as being a top five pick and he didn't miss one start at Clemson and until he, he opted out of the bowl game. And I feel like people are kind of sleeping on his production and then he tested pretty well. Like I don't and really just freakness. Yeah. Like I don't right? really like, understand the slide yeah. there. Like I could see that being very interesting and, and a fine pick for the, yeah, Bucs I think he was one of those top, like literally maybe the top recruit in his class kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think, think he so. was really good at Clemson. Um, maybe didn't quite match the hype, but also they've, they've had studs on defense and just really good teams. So, you know, maybe didn't sep- like elevate and separate as much as you would have hoped for someone of like that pedigree was literally being the number one recruit. Still really good though. And yeah. absolutely a nutso athlete. I don't know. That's so- – could see someone reaching, not reaching in a bad way, but just like falling in love with him. I don't know. That's kind of what that's. He's one I have circled to go a little bit earlier, just because of the testing, um, coaching, like a certain coaching staff thinking that they can, uh, you know, really get the most out of him. He's he's a perfect candidate for one of those. Bit of prospect fatigue. Mm. 
Yeah, he's been. Of, yeah, everybody's been talking about him at the top of the draft board for so many years now, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, shit, man. I think someone in the twenties is going to get a player, and then you're going to get a very motivated Miles Murphy, who, like you're saying, he's always been a top dog, and then he comes in, he falls in the twenties, he's going to be out with something to prove. So, um, that's a good potential guy. Will McDonald, um, out of Iowa State, he's actually the all time. He's tied for the all time lead in Big Twelve sacks. Um, and he's one ahead of Von Miller, and he's Iowa State's all-time leader in forced fumble. So he's highly productive. He is like bendy, flexible dude, and he's a finisher. So we mm. got people in the comments criticizing JTS for um, not, he says no cookie for JTS. Cookies are for closers because JTS is notorious for like getting his fingers on guys, but not finishing the deal, as you two know well. Yeah. Um, right there. But Will McDonald's a finisher. Like, he finishes, and he's been a bit what I would consider a late riser. It, it, and and most people have him, if you slide into the first round, it's exactly that, sliding in at the bottom. But um, he's a guy the Bucks have done work on, and they, they have met with him. And I like that. He's kind of like a cool player. But, it, you know, again, I don't know if they want a bit of a bigger body coming off the edge. The only other player who could potentially – because, like, shit, man, Todd Bowles loves his DBs. He is the head coach um, who who could potentially be in play is Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. He's the best safety in the class. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's, just like, he's really fucking good. He looks Great like name, he, too. Yeah, yeah. He looks like if you put in a guy who was in the NFL for a couple of years back into college. Like, he's just kind of that, like, <laughs> cerebral yeah. dude. Like, he's really good. He can do everything. He can – he can succeed in man. He can play in the box. He can blitz. Like he can manage his territory in his own. He's just very sound football player. Alabama was a different defense when he wasn't on the field. Um, completely different defense. He was a heartbeat of that defense. And and that position falls off a cliff. Like there is one first round yeah. safety in this draft, and it's Brian Branch. So. And I mean, in a last... non in a non valued position as well, right? Right. So kind of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, the most want, undervalued position, yeah. I think, in, in football. Mm. And, like, you know, if we want to – like, there was all the chatter of the Bucks wanting Lewis seen last year, and that was when they still had Mike Edwards on the roster and, like, other guys on the roster, right? They 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 signed Ryan Neal to a one-year deal. But as of now, really, it's just Antoine Winfield Jr. and, and him. So they're going to want to bring in a guy who could, who is a safety, who can occupy the nickel where they also lost Sean Murphy bunting. I mean, positionally – I feel like the Bucks are one piece away from having a nasty secondary, and it would be that type of player. Um, I think they could have one anyway. I think I, they could have a nasty secondary with who they have. Totally, yeah, totally. And but, I think that's, I think that's how most people feel. So, which is yeah. why I'm not really talked about. But I did yeah. like feel like I had to at least include it just for him, just for him, and like that's his. You know, he'll be he'll be probably be. Anywhere from the commanders down to the bottom of the first, or he could even slide out. We could go and see no safety get drafted in the first. Yeah. And I know we've discussed this in like both on the podcast and just in group chats and everything. Kind of the main takeaway is like the Bucks aren't fucked or anything. Like they have a good team. Well, what's funny is you know what I mean? Like they do. Scott, what's hilarious is the national media, all they see is Baker, Mayfield, Kyle Trask, and it's like yeah. they completely disregard the rest of the roster. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually kind of ridiculous. And like we're gonna get some really good, good underdog bucks lines. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like this all season, we're gonna be like, oh, we should definitely take the bucks this year. And I mean, more importantly, yeah. more importantly, they have a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Already so, has a pulse and everything. So let's see: Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, or Dave Canales and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, well, like, yeah. fuck, man, addition by I subtraction know. potentially. Like, yeah. and just in general, just like the under the radarness. Maybe this team could use not being the like they were basically a, a top kind of top billing while they had Brady, right? They, well, and they aren't, you know, they aren't the Jags or you know, the Texans or something now that they don't have Brady, but I think they slide back into the middle tier as far as like marquee NFL teams uh, at this point. Right. So who? maybe they need that. Maybe they need to not be on primetime 13 out of 17 weeks, you know, like maybe that this will be a good year for them. So just kind of thinking out loud about that. And uh, yeah, 
deciding to to not consider the Dras the Trask and, and Mayfield situation as I say it. But I don't know, man. I, I just they're good. They have a good like they have a good team. Um, if if the if the coordinator hits and Bowles lets them do anything, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, like they could be really good. Or good enough to win the division, I should say. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And that's like yeah. totally reasonable. And I just feel like, you know, I'm just kind of staying quiet in the back. Like I think most Bucks people like Bucks people who cover the team in Tampa area are. Um, but there's a little yeah. too much slander going on out I there. Agree. So, I agree. Uh, and yeah, so just to summarize on offense, we talked about Darnell Wright, offensive tackle out of Tennessee, Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia, and Anton Harrison, tackle out of Oklahoma as the three linemen I think are in play for the Bucks at 19. Throughout two best tight ends, Meyer and Kincaid, as well as the best running back uh, by, by a landslide in Bijan Robinson as possibilities uh, for the Bucks with their first-round selection. And then on D, the, again, this is if they stay at 19. On D, Nolan's pass rushers, Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Miles Murphy, and Will McDonald. And then we threw in Brian Branch. I think the Bucks are going to be all about trading down if they can. I think mm. that's something Jason Light has shown an affinity for in the past. Albert Breer reported how the Bucks were – someone had contacted them to gauge their interest for moving up, and he was very uninterested. Mm. So that tells you something. But, again, that's not surprising to anyone who's, who's seen Jason Light work over the years. He, he The Bucks are without a fourth rounder also, so I know he's going to want to, like, fill that big gap in the draft. So, shit, man, they could trade out. They could trade out. You know, it could happen. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with that. And I'm not ruling out. I'm not ruling out something at quarterback for them yet. Fair. I mean, oh yeah. I don't. About know. a little Trey Lance. Let's get a little Trey Lance in Tampa. I, I mean, think like if you don't have to give up much, why not take a gamble on Trey Lance? I don't understand why the Texans wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think everybody. There's some talk kind of in the circling Texans. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so why not? Shit, It's man. ingrained, right? It's like basically from, like a pick, yeah, right? from San Francisco. Maybe like D'Amico Ryan. Ryan's, I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe Ryan's knows the truth, though. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. Um, That's not a great sign. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, I don't know, my final mock switched up more than I thought it would in some areas, which is interesting. I, I don't have it here, or I have it in front of me, but it's not published yet. But let me think if there's anything. I got. I still got Bijan going to the Eagles at 10. Uh, I got Will Levis falling to the Houston te- Houston Texans with their second pick at twelve. Jeez. This is some some exclusive info here. Uh, Darnell Wright going to the Jets, and I got Broderick Jones sliding to the Bucks, which would be nice. I have Anthony Richardson. You're gonna hate this, but I got him going to the Seahawks at twenty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, the the shine is worn off of my boy. Hey, dude. I I I love. Like, I want to see him in a good place and, like, where he's going to have a chance to, like, chill out for a little bit and figure it out. I feel like with the Seahawks' second pick, you know, they're, they still – I'd be very him. happy for him to be in Seattle, honestly. I, I yeah. Think that's a great landing spot. I just was surprised. I was surprised that it – I felt like they would be happy to get him at five, but if they can get him at 20, that'd be – No chance. Good. Yeah. 20. Yeah. yeah. People love him. Someone will make a, someone will make a move, but that would be awesome for Seattle. I don't understand the Texans though. Like I just can't get past not taking CJ Stroud there at two. Like that to me feels like so many holes. Like if you're not in love with the guy, and I think the Ohio State quarterbacks in particular have this problem that is just yeah they follow do. them yeah right. It's just gonna follow them until somebody does it. Yeah. Um. I I get it. Like why not just get the best defensive guy in the draft at two and then figure it out later. Because you desperately need a quarterback. Yeah, and, no, you, you and, can't go and, into the season. I think that's it's, it has to be the Trey Lance team. And like, I think there's some very good ones available. Like I think CJ Stroud is really good. That's why I am just so perplexed by it all. Um, obviously, yeah, just, they, doesn't feel feel the same way. When your whole team sucks, and... you're in a tough spot. That's what yeah. it comes down to. It's not like they were awful but had a good defense or anything. No, they were terrible. So I would take Stroud. I would take the quarterback, but. I don't think it's like 99 to one that that's the thing to do. I at least understand why they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe Will Anderson, I wouldn't do it. And I don't think they should, but they're just that bad. Like they're that I, bad. 
I think when I'm in that situation, as at least the way I foresee my my mind working is, I would all be all about trading down. Then, yeah, yeah. Right? oh yeah, yeah. Like I would just be looking to trade down so bad because someone wants Stroud, man. Fuck, someone no wants shit. Stroud. Yeah, but like I don't know. I think when you get into that realm of like when you're picking a quarterback at two, you have to really believe that it's the franchise quarterback. Yeah, and it's but just if like you, if you don't believe that, what's the point? Well, the point yeah. also here's the other side of it though, Bo. You're sitting at two. You think you're not just gonna are you planning to be so shit you just know you'll be right there again next year? Like True. that yeah. just seems weird to me. Like yeah, uh, like you can never guarantee you're gonna be in such a position where you get a, a crack at what's a really, really high ra- highly rated quarterback prospect. Yeah, they might just happen to not be bad enough to be in that top two next year, right? Totally. But like, like that's, that's- the thing that I just keep on falling back to is like, who is is where like the day after you pick CJ Stroud, where is he in the list of thirty-two quarterbacks? Yeah, well, that's tough. Tough. To, and for, a big I know. Part of that, I, oh, you're saying if if you're on the Texans, oh, I was going to say, big yeah, part of where you are, yeah, that's tough, right? It's like Fields in Chicago. Like you, you kind of know. Yeah, I, I, Fields was my yeah. QB one, and I was so hyped for it. And I was like waiting for him to like land in a good situation, and then. I wanted him in San Fran so bad because I was cheering yeah. for the guy I put my name behind so strongly, and then he ends up in yeah. Chicago, and I'm like, yeah, oh. it's brutal. I know. So like, it's just un- you almost can't evaluate a guy in that bad of a situation. But uh, so I see what you guys are saying. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, man, there you have it. Again, make sure you're checking out BucksGameDay.com. Uh, got the draft covered. We do over there. Yeah. Please make sure you like this video if you're watching if you enjoyed what we're talking about we really appreciate the support make sure you're subscribed and uh tell your friends you know tell your friends yeah um and yeah so thanks for joining us folks now we're at less than 24 hours till the 2023 nfl draft kicks off in kansas city i for one cannot wait yeah my wife can't wait for it to be over (laughs) um and i'm sure the same goes for you guys so thank you so much for joining us as always scott and bo appreciate you having having you along for the ride and uh We'll see you soon with some new Tampa Bay Buccaneers to talk about next episode. Till then, be well. Go Bucks. Hey, fellas. Go Bucks.